Hi, I'm Raymond. I'm Kim. I'm Will. And you're listening to The Crusading Couch Birthday Edition. Yeah, that's torture for your ears, isn't it, listeners? I'll never see it coming. got their headphones on and like, oh shit. That's what they'll be like. Yeah. Now that we've bedazzled our audience. Yeah. Um, So, we did our first recording of Crusading Couch roughly 12 months ago in November. It went up on the 16th of Nov. Many years ago. No, just one year ago. Many. Eons. Uh, yeah, so we, what we thought we'd do is we listen back to the uh, last 12 Crusading Couch episodes. And we wanted to sort of do a, a, a year in review. Sort of inspired by when Mythbusters does the Myths Revisited um, episodes where they look at like s- questions that they left unanswered or... Or stuff they wanted to talk about but missed, or things that people thought we did wrong. So we've looked at comments left on posts, and uh, we've listened back to find threads we missed, or new questions. We've got some more information to add to certain topics now that we've had time to rethink them. Um, we're just going to work through it. Um, Kim, do you want to tell them how we chose to divide up the oh, workload? Yeah. Well, we just divided it up into four episodes each. Um, so, uh, Billy took the first four, and then Raymond took the middle four, so five to eight, and then I took the last four, nine to twelve, and I think I got the better end of that deal, because... Better uh, quality yeah, recording, yeah, 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 so you didn't yeah. have to go read any comments. Yeah, exactly, there were no comments left on my part, on, on the recordings that I listened to, which was kind of sad. I'm going to take off this birthday hat now because it's yeah, kind of hurting my neck. They always do, don't they? Yeah, they're kind not attached to it. Kim's Kim. Wilfred. All right, well, Wilfred, you had the first four recordings, so where do you want to kick it off? Oh, my God. The first four recordings. Uh, keep in mind that when I listened to these, we'd also... I was constantly in my head the more recent recordings that we'd done. Yeah. So just the, uh, the differences there alone were... Notable, but I wanted to start this off because it seems only fitting given this is our year anniversary of just asking Did you guys have any particular? Um, preconceptions or ideas on what the podcast is going to be like when we first started I did but they weren't but it pretty much turned out exactly the same like the way I thought like I all my preconceptions were uh, Correct in that it was what I thought it was, you know, the first few episodes would be harder to would be of lower quality and then they get better but um i know that one thing i was surprised by was how surprisingly good the audio came out for them apart from that one episode with the whippersnipper or or the episode we recorded at kim's new place with the birds in the background yeah lots of birds in the background on 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 (laughs) the horror episode if you've listened to that one which ironically uh right on cue for raymond yeah because i'm terrified of birds um i don't know i kind of thought that uh we'd get a bit of a stronger response than we did but it's still been pretty good like we get i think like each episode of crusading couch tends to get about 10 views on uh, plays on soundcloud that includes um and then you've got a couple of downloads and things like that, and it's possible that people have just transferred the files to one another rather than download it. And I don't think SoundCloud tracks downloads from the RS feed, so there might be more views there. 
Mm, there you go. What about your preconceptions? Ah, oh, didn't really have any. No, you're just yeah. like, oh, Raymond's got an idea. Let's go with it. Yeah, yeah let's, let's do this. Did uh, Did you imagine you would get become so involved in Crusading Couch and Insert Quest here when it started? No. Now you've <laughs> now you can put this on a resume if you want. Yeah, I could if I wanted to. If I was like blogging the science, it's on my resume now. Just what about you? Yeah, I watched similar to Kim in that I thought it sounded like a cool idea. That's something I was passionate about, so I decided, yeah, we'll go with this and see how it turns out. It's been pretty entertaining and also at times uh, somewhat insightful as well. Mm. Especially in some areas. Mm. I guess we'll possibly come to that later in your one with some of the later podcasts. Yeah. Um, so anyway, my first... I have a few notes for me. My first dot point uh, for the first podcast we ever did is just beautiful train wreck. Oh, it's beautiful cinnamon roll too pure for this world it's not like you mentioned before about quality and it's, it's not that it's any bad quality so we hadn't quite found our groove uh, dynamic between the three of us as well as coming to terms with staying on topic yeah we've gotten more. better at that the first three podcasts actually are a bit all over the place but I think that's also in part due to the uh, we took on some fairly wide reaching uh, topics. Yeah, tips for GMs. Yeah, yeah. I know that one thing, uh, one comment we got back after the first episode, because we did this sort of preamble where we, we tried to, try, we tried to make like a trailer for the podcast and talk about like how, the kind of topics we'd approach and like we talked about how, we made a list uh, and one of the things on the list was how to deal with a cheating player and I got a comment on that podcast somebody asked you oh you didn't actually talk about how to talk, uh, deal with a cheating player I'm like no that was an example we even said like right before these are examples of topics which I found funny um, clearly we weren't being clear enough with our language we came back and dealt with that though. yeah I left a comment <laughs> and a lot of so the first podcast in particular there are a lot of loose ends but any worth investigating fair, well, most of them were actually covered later on uh, in the following podcasts. We were surprisingly efficient uh, in the first one. Not by design. <laughs> well, there was a bit of design in there, surely. Um, one of the things that we... Raymond, you mentioned media consumption and it's shaping the cultural background of the games you like to play I know we had a podcast later on where we were talking about inspiration yeah the cultural media I think yeah I don't, I don't know about if culture is the right word but yeah mm. so you met so I assume that that's talking about this thing that I've recently come up with a lot of people talk about how because the first episode was all about like what are good starting games and lots of people like to say that fantasy games are good starting games. And I put forward the point, but didn't explore it because I wanted to do an entire episode based around this. And we, and we may still. Um, that the reason fantasy games are good starting points for a lot of people is because they are familiar with the tropes and standard story uh, points of fantasy uh, media. Whereas if you are more familiar with comic books or more familiar with uh, science fiction or more familiar with horror than one of those genres will be easier for you to grasp. 
because you know the kind of story beats you're trying to hit and things like that. Mm. True. Sorry, I'm just gazing over my sheet. <laughs> Such sheet. Yeah. It's just for the yeah for the first one. I almost did that thing that we discussed earlier. Which I'm sure Raymond will cover later on. Oh, I don't think uh, I will. I just want to say as well, one of my notes is props to Raymond. Uh, over the course of this podcast, he's become considerably better at uh, interrupting less and uh, hijacking the posts less. He was never terrible to begin with, but it was uh, a bit noticeable listening to the first couple. I know that one of the things that I, when I listened to one of the recordings that I definitely tried to avoid in subsequent ones was... When somebody makes a point, I would say, mm, yeah, to acknowledge that I heard them. And while that's a great thing to do in normal conversation, you never hear somebody say that on when they're when someone's talking on radio and they're making a fucking point. So I like made the effort to remove that from podcasts so that when somebody's talking in a big, huge, long string of dialogue, I'd say, mm, yeah, mm, uh, mm, yeah, every Keep fucking it. few seconds, because yeah. like, obviously I am engaged, it is literally the point of me being in the room with the person they know I'm listening. Although sometimes Kim drifts off. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying that I'm drifting off now, Raymond? I'm not, I'm just <laughs> making that acknowledgement. It didn't happen in any of the podcasts that I listened to, but I know it happened in one of the ones that... I'm pretty sure it happened in one of the ones Wilfred listened to, and I know it happened in the one-on-ones you listened to. Yeah, definitely. Kim, Kim's pretty consistent. Yeah, it, like, it, definitely, it definitely happened in the horror episode. Oh, yeah. Here, and I was just like... Hey, you, like, admitted that you were somewhere else in that episode. I'm, I'm just off on my own thoughts. Anyway. You can also really tell when I am uh, tired or what have you. Totally. I've become significantly less... Uh, I will hesitantly use the word zany. Yeah, um, whether significantly less or more... Zany, do you mean? Because you said less. less. So you no, become less. more... I fade into the background more oh, okay. when I'm tired. Um, were there any other points for the first episode? Or any comments that somebody left that you thought were particularly worth um, looking at? Um, I can think of one that I, uh, one thing I'd like to address, but I thought I'd see. I just I got kind of actually when I was listening to the first one, caught up and just enjoying it uh, and comparing it to sort of how we've evolved. Yeah, that's, that's definitely and fine. It, it was just this, this beautiful sort of ramble through our own experiences with systems and meshing it all together. What was the point you wanted to address? I just want to see, because I don't want to talk too much. Um, Kim, was there anything that you can think of for the first episode that you might want to look No. Look back on? no. So I've changed what, my... What was the first episode? The first episode was... <laughs> oh, uh, Kim drifting off. No. Is that is that a uh, what do the red ones do moment just there? No 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 no. no the no, first no, one was uh, yeah. starting role playing game. Uh, so we talked about. So I know that somebody yep. left. Oh. I know that somebody left a comment saying um, that Wilfred, Kim, and I at one point we were talking about like how D and D is and isn't a good starting role playing game, and they made the point that I didn't think to clarify when we were recording that Kim was talking about fourth edition. Wilfred was talking about Pathfinder, and I was talking about D&D as a whole. So we were all having three different conversations. <laughs> and so our 
criticisms of each other and our affirmative points don't quite line up as well as they should have. Don't quite, but there's still a there's massive still, amount of There's still that. useful information there, but like it would have been nicer if we were all talking about the one. Especially speaking of tropes, like a lot of the core tropes stay the same between those. Yeah, things. indeed. So the types of stories you tell across all the versions of D&D remain the same. It's more the mechanics of how you tell that yeah. story. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Um, so the second episode was at Traits We Like in Players. Uh, yeah, how'd that go? it was actually, that was probably actually my favourite one to listen to of the four, mm. to be honest. Like, there was... I remember that that was when we were making Eclipse for these characters that night and we didn't realise it was like 11 o'clock. Um, but there was a major point I wanted to address that I think that we neglected. So we talked a lot about what we like in players uh, and the, essentially the watchwords were people who could get invested in the game. People investment, who investment. Engagement. And, and engagement. And those kinds of words. I like think the phrase watchword was used followed yeah. by those. Uh, and then we also talked about how we had a, uh, not dislike, um, but found it more challenging with players who just joined in the game purely for social reasons, but didn't really yeah. want to be there. Uh, it was just because everyone else was doing Yeah, they weren't as yeah. keen on the story. They were more like, oh, my friends all play, but so I, I want to play. I think we sort of neglected the middle ground, which I wanted to raise with you guys briefly, which is essentially um, what I've kind of hazardly termed a casual gamer. Um, so, casual gamer in this sense of um, players are, who are enjoying the game, they enjoy the game, uh, but they also prefer staying on the sidelines. Like, they don't particularly uh, want to be in the spotlight of what's happening. Uh, they sort of have a nice little niche where they're still part of the game, but much less yeah. interactive and I get, less invested than some I get what you're saying there. Um, yeah, so you're talking about. Yeah, I follow. So it's almost like a player that is in the story, but is really just watching the story. But they do yeah. still contribute because they still they still do their part yeah. when when um, you know when they have a skill that is relevant or and they still or a good enjoy idea. the game. Yeah, they still enjoy the game, but they're really just there, sort of along for the ride. Yeah, essentially. Um, I just thought it important to point out. Uh, yeah. So speaking as a GM, that player. Speaking as, like, just a role-playing person, that player's playing experience is perfectly valid, and if that's what they want to do, that's fine. Speaking as a GM, it can be hard, because even though you, they are enjoying the game and whatnot, you kind of want your players to... Um, to you, you, you're looking for your players to be passionate about your game, even if you know that that's not always going to be achievable. And so, like, you might get into a state where you're... Um, where you feel sort of a low-key animosity towards that player because you feel like they're not engaging in the way that you want, which is a bad mindset to have and you should be aware of when you are in that mindset and try and take steps to wind that down. I also thought it was important to mention because a lot of the sort of more casual games have to be pretty important for a game's survival, so to speak, because... Try as you want, a lot of the time, it's going to be, I think, hard to find a group of people who are really invested and have that energy that you're looking for. <clears throat> and it sort of, almost every game you play in, there's going to be a casual gamer, so to speak, there. 
Mm. I think that that's that one of the reasons that you might actually feel that animosity is because that you as the GM, because you put so much effort and time into creating your NPCs, creating your storylines, creating your encounters, that you are arguably the most invested person in the room in the actual story itself. And um, I feel that... <clears throat> that when other players aren't as invested in your story or in your game then when their level of investment doesn't match your own that that's when you can actually start feeling a little bit shitty but at the same time i actually completely agree if you if you're dealing with a like this isn't relevant for because we're going to be playing a cops phase later on this isn't relevant for what we're going to be doing today but when you're dealing with a party that has probably about four players or more um nice uh four players or more if all of them want the limelight in a run they want to be the most important player they want their characters personal stories to be the most important personal stories of the day then you either end up with a really long run or you end up with a run that isn't actually focused on the story of the game you're then focused on the story of the characters individually rather than the characters that make the party so if you actually look yeah at it becomes like one of those episodes of a tv show where they like do uh they do the the story but they break it up into four blocks or however many main characters there are and they just yeah. follow one of them yeah. for like an hour rather than, rather than an integrated story which is what you're aiming for but at the same time like there's really good epi- there's really good episodes in tv series like um uh in brooklyn 99 the episode where boyle gets married Boyle becomes the main character of Brooklyn Nine-Nine for that small, for that, for that episode. Yeah, so it's alright as like a, as a sometimes food, but it's yeah, not an yeah. every time food. Yeah, you don't want to have to be concerned as you're running a game with making sure that each player is getting their time in the limelight and that being what's driving certain scenes rather yeah. than the story unfolding. But the casual player negates the need to mm. consider that. As, m- as they much. they don't want the limelight and it can actually be difficult if you try and give it to them and they don't want it. Yeah, I've had yeah. that happen before with a player. Um, like, one of my players. I don't want to do it. I yeah. don't want to do yeah. it, man. I just want to. I just want to kick back and roll attack when it's my turn. Yeah, which is which is so. This is something that I wanted to address. My biases when it comes to talking about games. Um, a lot of the times I make statements about D and D and. D20 games that <laughs> might be hurtful to people that are really passionate about D20. Oh, first and podcast. First podcast. If you <laughs> like tactical miniature combat with role playing uh, added on top, then by all means go out and have fun playing it. It's just that it's not what I like and it's not really what I think role playing as a total genre is focused on, even though like it's the most dominant part of the market share as a genre, it's not the most interesting academically, but that doesn't mean that it's not just as fun as all the other kinds of role playing. To each their own. Sometimes you just want to hit that monster with a big stick. Indeed. Sometimes I just want to do fighting um, RPGs, but you know, you've got to strike your, you could have decided what is more important to you. I think I've decided that I never really want to do that anymore. Yeah, you're over dungeon crawling? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. I am... 
I know that there's like a lot of role-playing games that have like uh, fighting mechanics built into them, but if there was a if there if there was runs in a system that includes the ability for that that has like combat built in mechanically, but doesn't actually use those combat mechanics for like one or two or even three runs of a campaign, I'd be like totally cool with that. If the whole thing was just character interactions and problem solving that'd be fucking sick yeah i don't mind that kind okay. of stuff where it's just character <coughs> stuff i still very much enjoy combat um, yeah indeed not don't in excess. don't play the egyptology campaign then. <laughs> i also find combat's very uh can be useful because in my experience it's one of the best ways to get a group of players who might be getting a bit off track to actually and i don't Focus. mean in the game but like starting to lose a bit of attention or whatever to actually everyone oh shit combat let's all buckle down and make sure we're on the ball and get back into this well you see I'm more on the ball when I'm in in character character interactions or doing like a like an investigation scene or, or I suppose or, it even comes or, or, or like an interview or something like that whereas in combat it's just kind of like I don't need to do shit until it's my turn so combat really is actually like a zone out time as other people do stuff and then when it's my yeah. turn that's when I need to focus up for like a minute mm. and yeah, then Kim at is, the end of that Kim minute Kim is talking just, about the reason ironic. why Magic the Gathering was invented <laughs> yeah exactly uh, that's Gonna say actually almost relating back to before we're talking about people in the limelight uh, or some people who might demand or want uh, a perspective in the game that's focused on. Then I find combat provides a good counterbalance to that because it drags everyone back in rather than having one character talking uh, to two others for 15, 20 minutes where the other NPCs, oh, sorry, the other player characters aren't really involved. That's actually true. The other reason that and this will be the last thing I say really on this point is the other reason that um, physical combat and conflict is so uh, prevalent in role-playing games is that it is an easy way to tell uh, to add conflict to a story a physical fight um, is a really easy way to have these people pitted against those people whereas like conversation and investigation you can totally do that and it can be super engaging but it is harder to uh get that if you're not a particularly experienced story and it could also be because it's actually able to be physically represented yeah that too it's easier to imagine like like we don't do (coughs) actual miniatures on our on a, on, a, on a grid board anymore for our combat to determine di- distances and stuff like that. But those sorts of things uh, like combat can be represented on a board that all the players mm. can see and you can go, you are X number of squares away from this person. Yeah. Moves, 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 shooting, whatever. Yeah. You're doing all that kind of stuff. Whereas with the, 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 the character scene... It's just two or more people sort of like standing next to each other. I actually, we might have to put this to another time. Yeah. I have a lot more points to say on this. Yeah, we uh, should we should write it down <laughs> as a possible episode to talk so about. So now, our looking for loose threads on previous runs, we have in fact Open put aside up. more loose threads. No, I really, I really got to get a notepad um, for podcasts uh, dedicated to. When we say we'll talk about this another time, but write it down so they don't have to go back and listen through for them. I also want to do it for when we do actual plays. So when I, I say, know, I like so when I say, it. when I say, oh, um, I'll I'll add a link about that in the thing. I almost never do because I always forget about it. Yeah. So I I, I got to get a notepad so I can write that stuff down. 
Yeah. So that was the main point in episode two I wanted to stress. I also have to say quickly off random because it was possibly tooting Aaron Horn. Really enjoyable to listen to these. I quite enjoyed it. I saw you quoting it. Um, once oh, before. there's some fucking gold quotes. Yeah, another person. Someone else has been listening to our podcasts um, and quoting it on Tumblr as well. Someone's been listening to a cop's face. That it's was, been, in fact, me melting the wall. Yeah, it's been, it's been fun listening <laughs> to... the wall or it's, not at all? It's been fun listening to you two say stupid shit. Oh, dear. Okay, so, episode three, which was the... Letting go episode. The dreaded, also... the dreaded worst episode. Yeah. It was <laughs> How bad was it? <laughs> so. The audio quality was okay? The audio quality was, was, it was okay. Thought? Yeah. It was a little. Uh, less, it was less good than I remembered. Oh, I listened shit. to it. <laughs> I li- I've listened to it twice. And when we were dividing up the workload, I said, I can't listen to it a third time. So, Wilfred, you take <laughs> the first four. Okay. So, like. The content, there's some good points in there, but my god, it just... It's buried in the rough. In, yeah, it is. It's diamonds in the rough, people. And there's a bit of repetition and a, just a bit of fucking all over the place. We should have just put there's, a link to let it go from Frozen and be done with it. Is there's a section in there where we talk for over five minutes about how long we've been talking for on the podcast, who has access to the time... And when we work out that everyone can see the time, the whole conversation is redundant and it is summed up at the end by Raymond saying, you know, I could edit this out, but I'm not gonna. And then we all laugh. (laughs) (laughs) That is the kind of quality content from this episode. Oh my God. So if you're listening to this episode as like a, a, a summation of which episodes you should listen to, I think you can take it as don't listen. You can probably skip number number three, um, unless you're like super diehard looking for to listen to more of our yes. voice. There are some diamonds in the rough of world we talk about letting go of characters. We never really get... Uh, it was mentioned uh, letting go of ideas as well, but we slated that for another... So like episodes. letting, so like for uh, so campaigns or runs that you've yeah. always wanted to do, and you keep trying to pitch them, and that was actually come up. an interesting conversation. I'm sort of sorry that we stopped that when we did, but I'm probably not going to pick it up now because I think it's going to be a bit of a large. Yeah, if I if I'd remembered that, then I would have mentioned it. Maybe in would you be interested in or something? Might have been worthwhile. But it was that. Yeah. Also, mainly a lot of just personal anecdotes from us about players we know or situations we've been in. I believe that was the episode where somebody gave us a comment saying, you guys need to stop giving so many personal anecdotes because it's not fun to listen to. Which, you know... Which at the time, we were just like, we're not really doing this for other people. And now Kim and I are like, no, we've got to fucking make it good. Yeah, 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 yeah. I spent four hours editing audio. We need to to make compromises and and, and sell out a little bit here to give the punters what they want. Exactly. To make good content as opposed to just enjoyable for us. There was uh, one section, Kim, I was going to say, you might want to briefly talk about this now, you might want to file away for later. But in our anecdoting, (laughs) we came across uh, splitting the party uh, in games, in which you're pretty much just like, if you're going to split the party, you better be prepared, and then just we'll leave it there. (laughs) Yeah, because it splits the focus of your run. I think that this runs into what we were talking about before. We are talking about limelight and all those sorts yeah. of things. That's one of the issues. So you're actually sp- splitting 
you're 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 you are splitting the focus of your run. It also often occurs unintentionally from a DM pers- uh, from a GM perspective. Yeah. Um, which means that the GM isn't really prepared for it. Like a player has done something, like they've been uh, deliberately obstinate to your pushes to get them to go in a certain direction, and then uh, you, as the GM, have kind of gone, "Well, all right, well, you're on your own in this place now, and everyone else has gone on, and the rock ca- and the rock cave has collapsed behind them, and now you can't get through to them. So, what are you, what are you gonna do? I think it. I think it makes it difficult to manage." airtime for each of the for, for each of the people but then you end up in a lot of situations where it's just be like really good if we had a healer right now and the healer's like on the other arc of the story <laughs> so you can't actually get any healing it when, if it's part of an ongoing campaign where you as a player have been used to operating in this team and you know what their skills are and what you have available and what you have available to you like what resources both skill skill resources and actual physical resources like the stuff that they carry and suddenly half or more of that is re- is removed from your from your resource base I'm saying resource a lot um, then you can't a lot of the solutions that you have been accustomed to employing to overcome obstacles, you can no longer use to get through that scenario. And I think that that creates Difficulty. problems for a player, but it can also create innovation because now you have to talk, like think through problems differently. So if it was an intentional split of the party by the GM, then I would not be against that if you've actually forced them to go into. Well, that's two exactly different... what Billy just said. That you said, you know, if you're going to split the party, you better be prepared. Yeah, that's you're you're yeah. So yeah. I think that you. I think that you have consistent, sus- if nothing else. I think you have succinctly um, expanded on that point. Great, that's good podcasting. Oh, speaking of comments, it just reminded me, personal anecdotes. This is also the one where I go into a mini rant about Virgil and his fucking failure to kill me. Sorry, I had to get that off my chest. Uh-huh. Fucking Virgil. Anyway. He, uh, rubbish dude. <laughs> I'm sure he's better in the game or whatever. Okay, so... Real-time mechanics, man. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose... Oh, yeah, this is also where uh, Kim brought in the infamous uh, dub-dub YCD. The infamous? Do you mean infamous? I don't know what I said. Infamous dub-dub. Add it to the list, Raymond. What? Add it to the list. You've got this. What would... Yep. Dub Dub YCD. What would... Dub Dub YCD. YCD. What? Do you... You haven't written down what it is? Yeah. Okay. What? I know what it is, because it... Because for the that podcast, for a uh, segment, you were just screaming, what, Dub what, Dub YCD! What would you cunts do? I don't know. <laughs> what would your character do? <laughs> oh, so what would your character do? Yeah, you just kept yelling this out there, and I was like... What is Wop Wop YCD? <laughs> I was about to yell it out just now. My mind was not picturing those letters in the right order. Yeah. What would your character do? Oh, okay. Cool. Oh, dear. Right. Right. Is that one of those quotable moments that you're talking yeah. about? Like, Kim is extremely... Should we get that on T-shirts? Kim, Kim, Kim oh, is extremely yes. quotable. You are quotable. Dub Dub YCD. What would your character do? Oh, it could be like um, one of those... Um, one of those wearable tech shirts, so it's got a waveform image on it, and you press play, and it. Because oh, yeah. it's wub wub YCD. In the segment of putting your character in danger, uh, whole letting go thing, and 
Raven's like, yeah, you should totally uh, do what the character would do. And then Kim's in the background, dub dub YCD. Dub dub YCD. Okay, so to keep this moving. Fucking hell. Uh, I was an idiot. <laughs> an idiot or ahead of your time? Earlier this year. Uh, episode four was about organization. That was the first episode, I believe, we had a guest speaker. Yeah, we had Caitlin in for that. Right. She was uh, she was pretty quiet for the most part. Yeah, I remember good, that. Though, she had, uh, it was good to have someone with a bit of slightly different perspective. It had been previously brought up before in the comments that the three of us tend to agree a lot on a lot of uh, what we talk about and the facets therein. And when we don't agree, we tend to pretty easily see where the other person is coming from, uh, which is not a bad thing. Uh, it was just good personal traits, but not necessarily yeah. good for interesting listening. Yeah. Uh, so we had in uh, Caitlin. Yep. Ah, uh, that's right. Yeah, subquarters. What <sighs> subquarters? We broke that episode into four quarters uh, as we were working our way through. So four topics we wanted to do around organisation. And did and then we, we not use them at all? No, no, we used all of them, but one of them fucking got split into some quarters because we kept uh, branching out from that topic. Oh, wow. Nice. Oh, great. Yeah. Great job, guys. Okay, but I had one thing I wanted to address here and a similar thing to the second one. So, and this is for Raymond. Oh, shit. We were talking... Uh, I'm getting grilled. <laughs> we were talking a lot about... Um, people being uh, happy with their characters uh, and Kim also chipped in you used an example from um, Axis with your werewolf uh-huh. uh, and you were talking a lot also about numbers like you know you like making characters you enjoy the creation this is the thing you quoted on Tumblr yeah. right you enjoy the creation of characters but sometimes how that character performs can be disappointing mm-hmm. right so, so what was my point um, basically you discussed like you know if a character if the player doesn't like their character then they should essentially not have them removed but they should look at talking to the GM and seeing if an alternate can be shepherded in what I want to ask you is if you think players should be allowed to make minor changes or respect their character sheets after they have started yes with a but yep so so you have essentially you advocated uh, bringing in a new character in that situation but I want to ask if making tweaks would be acceptable. Yeah, so you bring in new characters when it makes when it is feasible to the story. If like if you're playing a sniper and you've realised that you actually hate sniper combat in the system that you're playing, so you want to play something a little more close quarters, then you try and bring in a new character if it's feasible. Um, but if it's early on in the session, a lot of GMs will allow like a sort of a grace period where you can move around a few points. Um, if you think a character uh, isn't quite working out in a way that is good or something. Uh, we actually did it with Kim's character in a cops phase. Yeah, I was about to say that we've we, actually got a... We changed your character's motivations on the character sheet because they you just picked the ones that came with your character packages were because they were the examples on there rather than thinking about like what would act would actually motivate your character um and so we we changed that around to more accurately fit, reflect the way you play i don't really know this. how 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 you can get like a proper feel for what your character is going to behave like mm-hmm. until you still until you put into the scenarios so the way that i actually came out with like the the, the moral compass <laughs> 
of my of Curtis um, was actually by playing in those scenarios that Raymond designed for us as part of a cops phase and that made it made, made Curtis the way that he is and I figured out like in the moment what my responses to, 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 to those scenarios would be and as Curtis and then his uh, character fleshed out but I didn't uh, I didn't know that and couldn't know that before I started playing as him yeah which is why that sort of a grace period is worthwhile having and we've now made the modifications to the motivations which I can now fulfill in keeping with the character's ethos and get and fulfill a mechanic to yeah. regain and moxie points yeah Okay. Does that answer or address what you were talking yeah, about? Yeah, I think... Really, so basically to sum up the first four podcasts, uh, obviously we were less experienced than we are now. Well, I uh, actually think that um, the fourth one was really sort of where we hit our stride. Yeah. And it's kind of like, from memory, that was the first example of like how I would say the first three podcasts were different to how we do podcasts first, now yeah. and the fourth one is actually you can actually see the relationship well, I, I remember us having that talk after we record like immediately when we hit stop on recording for the third one I was like that was terrible the first three podcasts were also uh, the most broad topics we did we really started narrowing it down yeah after that although we did just talk about horror in a really broad but uh, yeah I understand what you mean yeah, again, well, the example of that from our mentality in the first three episodes was we're just going to be like, let's talk about genres. That's a yeah. good point. <laughs> in, the, uh, in the ideas phase of Fall Horror, it was sort of, I think it might have been me who mentioned uh, if we essentially wanted to consider other genres, and this year it was like, let's just keep it a horror. Yeah. Which I decided, I'm super glad they said. Pardon me. Because I apparently learned nothing. Yeah, from so so they were rough, but there was still there. Were, you can Look, see you, you can see what was coming. And if you're if you know you don't mind listening to some personal stories uh, and some little quotable quotes, they are well worth having a listen to. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, so I uh, cracked on with the next four, five yeah. to nine, five to eight. Yeah, indeed. So I've got a, a, a two pages of notes here. Um. I've got a lot of notes for some and not a, a heap for the others. Um, we'll just get right on into it with number five, um, player conflict. Um, some of the notes I have here are Billy brings up hypotheticals a lot um, in that episode, and I remember him bringing up a lot in other things. I don't know if there's anything worth talking I was about. I say, there. I like hypotheticals. They force you to think about situations that may not occur and you wouldn't normally, and then explain your response and rationale yeah so the not that the, this is bad podcasting but this hand motion <laughs> this hand oh my god i have to mention just yet again listeners you are missing out on the glory that is kim zimmerman's beautiful facial expression well maybe one day we'll, we'll have a video camera and it'll be like um it'll be like this is only a test and still untitled but yeah um so good Sorry. Yeah, Just you, you bring up hypotheticals a lot, and, and another thing is, um, like, Wilfred will ask us a question, and Kim and I will answer the question, or Kim and I and whoever else is in uh, on the podcast will answer the question, and then it'll get round to your turn to uh, answer the question, 
and and not you'll have forgotten. And then you, and you'll ask another. Question. You'll ask another question and refuse to answer the one you asked us because <laughs> you're like, no, I just want to get this point out. It happens in the travel podcast, which is another one I listen to. We talked for ten minutes after I said. Oh, but don't you want to answer the question you just asked us? You say, no, I want to get this out because you didn't, you didn't want me to cut you off and forget, and forget your point. And then we talk for 10 minutes before Actually, I'm like, can you answer the question you asked us? That also happened in the first podcast we did. Nice. It's usually when you've done a lot of prep and you're just kind of like, all right, I'm leaving this, yeah. I'm leaving this one. I'd like to kick off with a question. Bam. I'd like to kick off with another question. Bam. There's the third question here. Bam. We're just like, you can fucking answer any of these or is it just going to be me and Raymond? Like, um, it's well for the interviewer. It's very lazy, Billy. Oh. You're making us do all the talking. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got a few notes here that are sort of design notes for us that aren't worth mentioning. Like, I made a, I made an analogy that I think it is worth acknowledging here um, uh, when referring to player conflict and role-playing games about how role-playing games and sex are similar in that they are more fun with other people. Uh, and I feel that while that was an accurate analogy in the moment, it was kind of odd and may have been uncomfortable for some people to listen to, even though it wasn't very graphic, but still. Um, Wild Darkness was a game that I apparently <laughs> came up with when I meant to say World of Darkness, but I accidentally said Wild Darkness. Yeah, Wild Darkness sounds awesome. I'm pretty sure that game exists and is called Nemesis. It's the horror Wild Talents uh, one-roll engine. <laughs> yeah, we can totally sell that to Arc Dream, I believe is the publisher of Wild Talents. Um... The first half of the Player Conflict um, podcast was totally about Player Conflict. The second half was still on topic to what we were talking about in the second half, but it wasn't on topic to Player Conflict. We were talking about Player Dynamics and Party Dynamics more so than Player Conflict. Like, it felt like a natural evolution of the conversation we were having in the recording. But it was... I was sitting there like... So we've been talking for 15 minutes about... Things that are not player conflict. I mean, it's fine. I'm enjoying it, but like, what? What's going on well, here? I suppose you've got to cover some of the stuff that will yeah. could potentially generate. You got to frame it. Yeah, yeah. you got to frame it. Um, you can't. You can't just say depends on dynamics and then just leave it. Yeah. Like, you actually. I think that 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 required explanation. Maybe not half an episode. Maybe right? not half an episode. <laughs> <laughs> that was also the first time um, that month. Was the f- that must have been April because it was the first month that we had the insert quest here monthly writing challenge, oh. which has been going all right. We, I don't think anyone else. I think Zandra, our friend Zandra, has submitted stuff to one of them, and another listener. Um, one of the in one of the episodes that I listened to, I can't remember which one of these. Maybe it's written down. You talked about this dude that just sent you like the fucking. Uh, email, which was just the story. It yeah. wasn't like an email with the story attached in a Word document. Like the email was the story, and, and I, I just didn't like, know what I, I was reading. Th- I think this is the submission for the <laughs> monthly writing challenge, but I'm not sure. And I can't tell from sorry to hijack your conversation yeah, no, here, fine. but I can't tell from the uh, the story whether it actually relates to this month's stimulus or not. And then we had a discussion about HSE drama in that the pieces that were always most liked by the examiners are the one that you could tell which stimulus phrase they used mm-hmm. to actually come up with a group performance. 
Yeah, so I, I thought I'd take the opportunity to talk about the writing challenge a bit. So one day I will complete an entry for that. I know we keep. I keep, you know, trying to make sh- find things that will inspire you. I was almost gonna do one for the for the one where it had the dude like walking down the main cyber street or something like that. Uh, yeah, that's the one that yeah. both Xander and I put yeah. stuff. Yeah, in. I, I would like to see you do some writing. I ha- I had an idea that I was like mulling over in some downtime moments at uni, but I never got around to like. So there's two of the writing challenges that I haven't submitted entries for. One was a month where I got sick and I just couldn't um, and I couldn't find enough inspiration and the other one was for last month where I sliced my thumb open and typing was not super comfortable. My thumb is comfortable now. It's not fine. It works enough. We got a new one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the writing challenge is good and I find it engaging and um, it's certainly... It is doing its job uh, of giving me an excuse to write more and kind of forcing me to write. So, like, I've done a lot of writing for this month's of Cops Phase game, for example. Um, like, there's a script thing. I'm going to do some Foley work on that uh, later as well um, on, sun- uh, on Sunday and whatnot. Um, there was a comment for Player Conflict um, about diplomacy... Um, versus... Oh, yep, yep, yep. So this was from Caitlin. She was talking about uh, how... Oh, was this one the big comment chain? One of them. It was where she was talking about how she had... And I mentioned solutions to this problem in the game. uh, In the recording. And it was... um, She just uh, sort of wanted to give us an example of how she had sort of tried what we were doing. uh, What the suggestions we had suggested, but they didn't work for her. And that was... um, she had two players that were really keen on doing diplomacy and two players that were really keen on doing uh, just going in and killing. And while the players that were keen on diplomacy were fine to let the killing people do what they wanted, the same was not true, vice versa. And uh, and, and she was having trouble getting those players um, to not be dicks when the diplomacy players wanted to do diplomacy. Like, they were just not engaging with the game. They were, like, going on their phones and stuff. And I don't have a problem with people going on their phones during games if they're, like, not in the scene. But, like, you've got to try and pay attention to what's going on still as, as well. Like, Kim's on his phone right now. What a dick. <laughs> to make a point. I'm not a problem. <laughs> I, just, I was just like, I'm just going to get on my phone. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, all right. It comes so. back to the love like we're talking about as yeah. well. I mean, I, I kind of, depending on the context, can find it to be a bit disrespectful. Uh, when it's not if it if it's like <laughs> yeah. so if you've got like four players if you've got four players in your game two of the player characters are like uh, in a relationship and there's like a scene that's focusing on their romance if you're not interested in the story yeah. of that romance there's not going to be chances are there's not going to be important plot <coughs> happen in that scene so you can tune out for that scene on the other hand if you had two guys who've been doing a lot of killing and then your sort of moments come to actually uh, talk this magistrate to let you into the city so you can do more killing be kind of nice to have people acknowledge that you're doing the thing that you've made your character for and want to do yeah. rather than just go oh yeah there's no it no sucks when you make a, a face character and the rest of the party is like no time for talking it people we just gotta cut them down yeah. I mean, don't acknowledge that that's what you wanted to do yeah yeah um, but that's pretty much all I had for player conflict um, anything else you guys can think of for that one or should I move on to game reviews We've got a game reviews, I think. Huge amount of notes for game reviews. Really? Not all of them will be talked about on air, but... 
So Game Reviews was the one where we looked at Eclipse Phase, World of Darkness, and Star Wars Edge of the Empire, and we sort of... Oh, uh, System Reviews. Yeah, right. indeed. And Sorry, we, I well, thought you meant... Systems are games. No, no, I see where you went. Yeah, and we, and we looked at, you know, things that we thought were good about the systems and explained the settings a little. Um, I don't have a problem with the fact that I let my love of Eclipse Phase show in that. I do have a problem with the fact that I spent too much time trying to explain things for Eclipse Phase that were not particularly relevant. The only real one of these is I spent too much time talking about the Pandora Gates and not enough time talking about the reputation economies of Eclipse Phase, which are by far the, like, more important thing in the setting. Like, Pandora Gates are a thing you can leave out of your game. You can't leave out reputation networks because the game will not work properly. As evidenced by the fact that I had forgotten what Pandora Gates were. Yeah. Because they're not necessary at current to our game. Exactly. It's completely not relevant. Um, I did feel that we should have broken down the episode. Um, we should have done them as three separate episodes. So we should have done... An episode on Eclipse Age, an episode on Water of Darkness, an episode on Well, we were trailing an idea. We were trailing the idea. Indeed. So now we, now we know that when we do it in the future, if we look at other systems, we'll just do an episode for one system. Did we have a, uh, a spiel time for those? Like we did in the uh, pitching hour? Yeah, we wanted them to be... Um, no, we didn't have a spiel time, but we knew that we wanted the segments to be eight, uh, 20 minutes um, so that we... So roughly yeah. the spiel would be... Ten. It wasn't. It wasn't three minutes spiel, yeah. seven minutes question for each of the uh, game pitches that we did. We were actually pitching ideas for ideas for campaigns. The game pitches one is also the one that I listened. Um, but this one, well. this one here, we did. We did try and keep it to twenty minutes. I think that we, after the initial discussion of Eclipse Phase, which lasted for twenty-five minutes, we actually made a modification to that to have each of them at twenty-five instead of twenty. And so the, uh, the yeah, except World like of minutes. Darkness were, had a lot. So, weirdly, I spent a lot of time talking about, in the Eclipse Phase 1, stuff that we didn't necessarily need, but, like, it was still overall more on topic. Um, we went more off-topic for World of Darkness, and even further off-topic for Edge of Empire. Um, so, like, some of the notes I have for World of Darkness, we were talking about how it'd be nice if World of Darkness did margins of success, um, and, like, difficulty of success mechanics, because it's really just success or fail. Uh, yeah. And one of the commenters pointed out that the penalty system for World of Darkness rolling is meant to f perform a similar function to margin of success. So, like, rather than it being more difficult to get a success uh, and you needing a amount of successes, mm -hmm. it's just you take more penalties to the roll is what it's Yeah, meant yeah, to yeah, be. yeah. I Which guess I just haven't had a... Because I think I, I was probably the chief advocate for... It was Wilfred actually pushing margin of success. Really? Because my opinion has changed on that. Like, no, that's fine if it's changed. I'm just yeah. saying you were the one I that mean, uh, you mentioned that you thought it were that it needed it. Oh wow! Wow, that actually generally surprises me. Uh, I know I've been frustrated in the past where people have set margins of successes, so yeah. you don't do this thing unless you get free successes. But having re having running an ongoing World of Darkness campaign, the uh, using penalties to make that margin works really well. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I've just never really experienced a uh, good use of penalties. 
it's always just been like Ro roll your dice pool well I guess what I actually if I was thinking about margins of success in this particular instance what I would have been talking about is I would have actually not been talking about needed three six needed three successes to actually get the roll but I want to see a difference between yeah. rolling three things that are above eight yeah. and rolling one indeed you want to yeah there was also a mention of like that failure is not um uh doesn't come up enough and I think um I want to if we'd had more if we had more time today I would have liked to have explored this more but uh, there's a few things that I thought of um and we we might do um I can think of a few other topics that we can fold these into for discussion um one of the we talked about how World of Darkness as a horror game kind of falls apart because it doesn't really for whatever reason that we couldn't quite put our finger on it doesn't uh feel horror very well it doesn't feel like it's trying to scare you um and i thought about this recently one of the ways that i think that that, that feeling comes across wilfred pointed out in the recording that he loves how much variety of choice there are for all the powers in world of darkness and i was when i heard him say that i'm like that's why that's why it doesn't feel horrific you have all of these fantastical powers you can choose from like it's all right to have a few fantastical powers um but when you start giving uh you know players all these uh amazing things they can do uh it starts to remove the sense of powerlessness that is often a key part of why a scenario, a, a a particular story is horrific. So you're saying okay. that they're over resourced. Yeah, this may current. have to be a conversation for another time because I actually there are a number of ways to counter that effectively. Well, yeah, uh, I I actually think now that World of Darkness can be a quite a good horror game, but it is more dependent than other systems on the competency of the storyteller. Yeah, but like if we always resort to, because we've said that a few times right. where oh, this game can be really good depending on the storyteller, we were doing a review of the game and when you're just looking at the game, and this is, and I said this before in the, in the podcast, it's not just a thing that I'm saying where I'm like, I've never felt horror. There are a whole slews of people that don't think that World of Darkness is a horror game because of its failure to prescribe horror. I think that World of Darkness is kind of marketed... Um, would you say that it's kind of marketed as a horror game? Like they're actually... Yeah, it's marketed as horror, but it's that like... Horror aspect. And if you as a GM have to employ complex countermeasures to make the game what it should be, then that's not a very good game. Okay. I wouldn't call them <laughs> complex countermeasures, but I mean, I but find if you have to do too much, like not to, not to bring up Eclipse Phase again, but it's also marketed as a horror game, and I don't feel that a GM has to do very much to make it horrifying. Okay. Yeah, you like there's a I difference. There's a difference between occurs. working hard to make the horror more poignant and more uh, and feel like better storytelling then there is just working hard to make the horror work. So, like, in Eclipse Phase, you can make it horrific really easily. It's just not a particularly, necessarily, a very strong story when you take the easy route that Eclipse Phase gives you. I was about to say, you can make anything horrific fairly easily. Yeah, in, in, in that. Um, whereas in Water Darkness, you do have to work hard to get even, like, basic levels of horror because it's... You, you're, you're, 
the player characters tend to be so powerful. Which, it, it's a bad yeah. horror game because of those reasons. It's not necessarily a bad game. I definitely... Maybe we should come back and um, yeah. do a whole episode. Maybe maybe we should do a whole a whole. Uh, maybe we should do a re-review of World of Darkness. <laughs> yeah, we right. obviously have a lot of stuff to say. Another, I'm going to put this out right now. Um, you might want to write this down. You, you've got pen and shit. I do. Um, I'm listening. Again, uh, uh, a podcast that I want to do is I actually want to do a episode on rolling mechanics. And how they change? Yeah, okay. And how and how they change and how they change games. So I want to look at like d twenty percentiles, um, you know, dice pool kind of systems. Okay. Whether that yeah, I can like already think of like some d- sort of diversification. Yeah, d d eights, d sixes. That that that. Oh, yeah. that, that you got live ideas coming at you here, podcasters. Yep. Um, I think that that could be. The only other thing I wanted to talk about because my other two are pretty. The other two episodes are pretty swift. Billy, has your opinion on Eclipse Phase changed? Because you said that in the first one, you like didn't really feel very strongly about it. Yeah, it's I um, considerably less enthused of Eclipse Phase than you two. Uh, it's yep. it's 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 a game that I you know I don't feel really strongly about one way or the other. Okay, I thought it might have changed. Um, I won't uh, talk about the other thing that I wanted to ask Wilfred about. Do you talk to Raymond about it much? No. no. Because we talk about it a lot, okay. like together. Maybe so. that's the key. Because I mean, I think the main thing is that the setting of Eclipse Phase doesn't really interest me that much. Oh, okay. It's just it's like I find the books I was reading the um, Sunward and the Snowstalker, uh, and I find the books like I wouldn't read them for fun. I read them because uh, I'm doing research for the run, and I find them at times not difficult to get through, but just. Not that engaging, personally. Yeah, we can talk about that later. Yeah. Um, it's a main barrier for me. Yeah, that's... Anyway. Levels, uh, number seven, travel. Um, there's a few... We had a guest. Yeah, we had our guest, uh, Zandra, there uh, for that one. Um, one of the, the, there's, a, there's a few things we missed out on talking about. We, were, we, we could have talked quite nicely about the role of technology in travel, but we didn't get to. Like, there were a few times where I mentioned, like, how technology can augment the travel experience and like both Wilfred and Kim um, were presenting barriers to discussing that topic um, and also I was having trouble uh, describing exactly what it was I, was, uh, I meant um, one of the but I found a great example of how technology can improve the travel experience that was the thing that I said that where Wilfred got a anyway the thing that improves the travel experience, there's an app called Ingress, and it's an augmented reality roleplay, uh, augmented reality game you get on your smartphone. Um, and I'm not going to go into the story of Ingress, but it uses, uh, it integrates art in a city and the environment around you um, as like sort of capture the flag style objectives where you've got to go and lock down this point uh, and guard it and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but the content, these artistic installations and everything, are sourced from the general public. There's only like 50 people that work on the game Ingress, and it's global. There are people in war-torn countries that play Ingress. There are people in Egypt 
And um, where was one of the fucking big events when we first joined? There was like a thing happening in Syria. Yeah. When we joined. There was like... Um, I might not have been Syria, but it was... It was a Middle Eastern country that is now not... That you are now not allowed to travel to. Um, when we first looked at Ingress. Um, and so the, the community adds in these artistic installations. And so there are people that use Ingress when they go to a new city as ways to find out interesting things about that city. So people like go to the Philippines and load up their Ingress app and they play Ingress as a means of seeing these things about the city that other people, that travel guides don't have in them and things like that because the travel guides are not written by people that live in the city. Yeah, the, the people that live in the city have na- have labelled these points as important for some reason and you now have this augmented reality game that you can get which tells you where these points are. I wouldn't use it. Well, that's fine. You don't have to. No, but I'm just saying that as from yeah. like a techno as like an integrating technology and travel perspective I wouldn't use it to find important points it's good if you want to yeah. find art um I'd, I'd be interested to see why you wouldn't use it but you know, I, I play ingress yeah I don't yeah. really want to get into that right now um the, th- the thing that I sort of sort of stumbled over when I first started talking about that was I mentioned that a smartphone is a very important is a incredibly useful tool for the modern traveler. And when I said that on the podcast, Wilfred made this noise like he thought that was the stupidest thing he'd ever heard. And I was like, and, I'm, and I, I remember listening to it. I'm like, fuck you, buddy. It can translate basically, on a very basic level, almost any language on earth. Well, it depends. Uh, things that I've actually come to considerations with this um, since then yeah. is that it depends on where you're from and what kind of mobile SIM plan you actually have in terms well, of the data yeah. that you can access, what the Wi-Fi networks are like available. It's not just like a thing. It's not like I can use my phone now because I'm in Australia with my Australian plan which gives me all of this data that I can I said it's incredibly useful not that it is necessarily practical always yeah it's it I think that it is more difficult to to use it but I don't know because I have never actually traveled when I've had a smartphone I don't think it's as difficult as like we're saying like it I know that there are certain um like for example the barrier to entry is like getting a roaming SIM card for when you're overseas, but you can just go to like a phone store when you arrive in a country and get a uh, prepaid SIM card because they're only like, you know, a couple of bucks. Then you put $30 worth of charge on it and then that data should last you. So as long as the you find a good phone plan, like I don't think it's as difficult as you're making out to use it. I don't, I don't argue that it's useful. It's, it's just not, you know, it's not something I would think of. When traveling. But you don't even have a smartphone in your day-to-day. I, I am quite notorious for my biases with technology in certain situations. I think that um, I've actually had a couple of conversations about smartphones in travel since we made this podcast. And I actually think that in terms of planning your trip, that 
if you're going overseas and you can actually get away with a lot less planning if you actually have access like good quality access to the internet while you're over there because you can make decisions and find out information about where you might want to go once you're actually in the country that you're that you're in whereas before you had any of this internet you either had to rely on locals telling you or all of the research that you could do before you left also lonely planet guides are like 10 bucks per book uh, whereas I can go on the Lonely Planet website for the cost of whatever my data plan is and there's lots of if you're going to Europe there's going to be free Wi-Fi in cafes and shit and it's current yeah and it's as current as well the internet yeah. is current whereas travel books yeah. are as current as when they were published yeah anyway um, there's not really anything else to mention about travel I know that I want to do another travel podcast probably uh, when we get back from our next road trip mm-hmm um, cause there's a few things that we missed out on, but are not worth discussing here. Um, the last episode that I listened to would, was, would you be interested in? So I got like the two longest podcasts yeah. and they're both the ones that I have the most notes for. A lot of the stuff for, would you be interested in, uh, the notes that I have are production notes. Um, this is another one that we probably could have done in smaller blocks. Um, and it probably would have actually made, um, our pitches a little better. Uh, but um, there's a few things that I thought was are worth mentioning here. Um, some little tips for Wilfred. Um, falls under the uh, you can tell when I'm really tired. Yeah. Um, and get frustrated. You your last game that you pitched was called Two Worlds, I think it was. Um, I'm not super familiar with this game system, but. There's a game system that I think might be worth checking out called Savage World. Uh, and that also might work for for your Fate-inspired game. Because I know that Savage World does... So the reason I was thinking of Savage World for your Two Worlds game was the fact that there's a subsetting for... There's a... Yeah, there's a system setting for Savage Worlds called Something University or something. And it's set in Texas. And it's this uni where like half the student body is actually supernatural beings or people that are touched by the supernatural uh and it sort of reminded me a bit of what you were talking about with two worlds and i think it would allow you to include mundane people along magical people with good balance um as for fate your Fate Zero game, you brought up a point in that about how you thought there might be difficulty with balance in that the masters and the servants were really powerful, whereas the support characters wouldn't be. And I think that Atomic Robo is worth looking at for that. Um, But there's nothing else really about that that needs to be talked about here. But I did want to know... Uh, any of those games that we talked about in um, Would You Be Interested in Going Ahead? Is anyone running any of the games that they pitched in that? Yeah, I'm going to be running Quest for Fire soon. Oh, do you want to tell us more about that? Um, yeah, uh, we've selected a system. I'm going to be using uh, Call of Cthulhu. Yeah, so we're going to be stripping that down to base the basic role-playing system, which yep. I believe is what the mechanics are. <coughs> exactly, for. so removing the setting, removing the Lovecraftian setting, and then using the mechanics from that to do a survival horror game it's uh actually 
going to be slightly fantastical in the fact that it is set so long ago it's going to be set in the mesolithic period or the middle stone age so there's flint tools there is offshore seafaring as part of the technology and the basic premise from the game pitch was that uh through some kind of uh, cataclysmic event um uh, the fire of this tribe goes out and then the people uh, the the playing party is uh, selected to go and get fire back from some through some mechanism and I've actually uh, it's going to be set in the in uh, 9650 BC um, you can go google that uh, and it is in the the playing party is going to come from a tribe which lived in an actual cave from the middle stone age in uh, southern uh, Greece in the in the Angolid or Angolus region, and the uh, name of the cave is called the Frunk Frunkti or Frunkthi cave. Cave that's F R A N C K T H I cave. Jazz in the Stone Age. <laughs> so we are getting down. Um. Yeah, and uh, Raymond and Billy are both going to be playing in that, and I'm going to be running in it. Also, one of our friends, Dylan, who, if you listen... He's in the dun- to, Dungeon World campaign. Uh, Dungeon World or Zodiac Hunt campaign. Um, uh, he'll be playing in that as well, and maybe a fourth player. Uh, pro- yeah, maybe a fourth player. Um, and uh, it's looking to be looking to be quite interesting like i said it's survival horror so it's going to be very i think a lot of the conflict is going to come from in role-playing games usually the mundane is very mundane and the major problems come from larger than life problems that people don't usually face in reality whereas Uh, this is going to be this is going to be like the opposite kind of end of things it's going to take what we now view to be mundane in like food or water or something like that and then that's actually going to become like the major conflict for the run kind of situation yeah is that these really basic things are actually going to be stopping you from achieving your goal yeah and um i've had an idea recently related to kim's game in that um when he's planning out his campaign we might do a few recorded planning sessions and things like that so that you guys can sort of get an insight into how we plan and structure our settings and campaigns. That would that would be a that would be a cool idea. I think that also a lot of interaction once the playing party is established before the game actually starts is going to be important because we're going to be using a new system and because it is going to be a survival horror campaign the first run mm. is key because that's what you will take with you and because of the it's nature. It's going to be like the traditional shopping run that yeah. you see in dungeon crawls, except Be- it's like, if you get the wrong thing, you're going to die. Because of the nature of the game, there's no... Oh, obviously I would have that. Did, did, did you say that you have that? Yeah. And you don't fucking have that. I've already, I already and now know, you have to come out with a way of trying to figure out I already know that one of the things I'm definitely taking that. with my character is my, uh, my napping stone. So that uh, I'm good. Uh, because I'm sleep good. is important. <laughs> so it's a rock that you use for making flint knives. Because fuck trying to find a good napping stone out in the wilderness. Or I might get like a plus one to making a knife. 
But yeah, that's all I've got. Is there anything else you guys think that I should have that we that I should have covered? I'll mention um, for the pitching runs. I think Kim is the most effective salesman amongst us because uh, I was pretty much on board of all of his ideas, even the Egypt one, which is not a, something I would normally uh, consider. And that's just a funny little thing. He campaign. just sold it. I have continued selling the Egypt game to people. I keep like mentioning it like all the time because I think it'll just be fun to listen to I'll run it one day yeah I know you will maybe maybe next I'll make you alright so Kim your turn episode 9 inspiration Uh, I'm going to do these points in chronological order as they come up in each of the runs and uh, they are basically just phrased as questions for uh, either something that I wanted to expand on in which case I'll tell you what I've got written down here and just launch into it or I will ask Raymond or Billy what they meant by this uh, scenario so the first thing is Raymond yes updates on the two games that you mentioned at the beginning of the inspiration episode Thin Blue Line and Blue Rose if you please so they both got backed at pretty sizable levels I think Sats Thin Blue Line, which is actually a Savage World game, um, which is the engine I mentioned a minute ago, uh, got backed at like a couple of hundred dollars above its um, minimum, and Thin Blue Line got backed at an insanely large amount above its uh, minimum. Um, I already have my copy of Thin Blue Line. Um, We should really look at running that at some point. Um, I haven't really read the book too much, but uh, it's 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 there. It's in my pile, um, and I don't think I will be getting Blue Rose stuff till August next year. Actually, oh wow, that's a, that's um, a while. But I, I'm pretty August sh- 2016. Yeah, so. although I'm pretty sure. So there's another Kickstarter that I backed on behalf of Insert Quest here, which was the Delta Green Kickstarter for their new edition. And I think I already have access to the PDFs for that. Or we'll be getting them, like, next month. Kim is staring quizzically. But, yeah, so they, 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 they did quite well. And both games are... Or all three are looking to be really good. Um, I've seen some... I keep getting updates from Thin Blue Line. Like, they've been running games and stuff. Uh, so. So, since, since we um, recorded uh, the Inspiration podcast in July, uh, what... Raymond talks at length in that episode about using, uh, being inspired by a cooking show to run a scene in a fish market. Yeah. Has Has, anyone got similar inspiration? Has has anyone since then, like, been watching some unrelated show and being inspired to formulate a scene or a whole run around that and actually run it? I haven't because I haven't run anything since July. So, actually, no... I ran Raymond's uh, birthday game excellent in since since then. None of that was inspired by like crazy ass cooking shows or, or just inspired by Taurus Habs. Yeah. I just yeah, I, I just haven't I've watched like almost no TV. I've been watching a lot of TV lately because I've been house sitting and it's very uncomfortable to sit at my computer in this house because it's not great seating so I've been watching TV a lot so I've still been you know playing video games for my entertainment and that kind of thing but a lot of that stuff's the more not what we're talking about inspiration wise here okay alright well no one's been inspired then um Raymond say oh yeah uh your quote ultimate source of inspiration Mythbusters unquote ultimate source in that it is useful for 
all GMs to I, watch. I listen. I listen to the podcast, man. You said Ultimate Source. I believe that I, I. I'm willing to believe that I said Ultimate. Myth, Mythbusters. It's. Uh, it hasn't been cancelled, but they've stopped making it. How do you feel? Yeah, the last season of Mythbusters is airing next year, and I am sad that it's going to be the last season. But at the same time, um, it's nice to see that Jamie and Adam and all the rest of the crew behind the scenes are going to be moving on to other things. And because I'm already a follower of Tested, I, which is a website, um, I already know that I'm going to be seeing heaps more of Adam Savage because Adam Savage uh, does stuff with Tested. I mean, Jamie does them as well. It's just Adam's more active on the site. So I know that I'm going to get my Adam Savage fix. Uh, I just won't be getting my Mythbusters fix. Goodbye, Mythbusters. Hopefully they get to test those myths from the Martian in their last season because they were talking oh, about that on, yeah. one, on their Martian podcast yeah. um, with Andy Weir, um, the author of the Martian. Yeah, they talked about the suit thing, and Adam and Andy designed a possible MythBusters rig to test the seal. Yeah, the, yeah whether right. your blood and Martian sand can clog a wound in a spacesuit, so Adam and Andy designed an experiment to test that, so I'm hoping they actually get to do that on the show. That'd be pretty cool, that'd be pretty cool. Now this is uh, something that Raymond brought up, but Billy had some pretty strong opinions about, was the thematics of realism. And verisimilitude. Uh, true to life or appropriate for the genre you're playing. So what kind, uh, Raymond talks about an example where he uh, was saying your gun would uh, the the slide would uh, click back when your clip is actually empty, and the opponent in an would, auto. yeah, and, and the opponent would know that your magazine is actually empty. Um, but we're playing in a fucking action movie genre uh, game, so yeah, you're playing wushu so, or or, so, or, or um, feng shui. So 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 that doesn't happen. And um, uh, uh, do you still are you still a master? Or Star Wars blasters run out of ammo when you hit the run out of ammo thing on your roll? Yeah, I am looking at Billy. Have you? Are you, st- are you still backing uh, one of those in particular? Whether it actually should be true to life or whether you should really be following which the one did of... he back in the podcast? Yeah, I was like I do not remember this. You said depends. That's. That is our go-to answer. Allow me to refine my answer to an equally uh, nebulous, uh, I think that it should be reflective of life, but there should be exceptions. You should be able to bend that at times. Man, you are cosmic. That that is just just more words for it depends. Yeah, but I mean, like, there are certain types of games where realism and certain types of genres where realism, or better yet, verisimilitude, is what you're actually looking for, yeah. and then there are Quest other ones. Yeah, so yeah. Quest for Fire. Yes, Quest for Fire. You've got realistic. as many arrows as you actually have, not a nebulous amount. I am doing a lot of research into the nutritional needs and how far people can actually push their bodies based on the amount of sleep, water, food, shelter that they actually get, how long it is going to take the players to die in terms of days when they don't have access to particular things. I'd be interested to see if Mesolithic archers even used quivers, because they may have just carried arrows in their hands. Uh, I mean... I mean, I, I can't contribute this because I don't know, but surely it'd be a pretty logical step to go, if I had something to carry these, I could carry more of them. Except it's not necessarily... It, so most archers would probably only have three arrows. It's very easy to carry three in your hand. 
And they'd only use them for hunting. They only use them for hunting. wouldn't have been a okay. predominant uh, When you're weapon warring with war other humans, warfare. you war with your spears because your arrows are too precious. You can kill a human with a spear way easier than you can kill a human with an arrow. You can't sneak up on a deer and stab it with a spear. Anyway, and the last thing... Easily. Okay, so that was indeed very nebulous. And the last thing from inspiration uh, comes from Raymond. Analyze the image. Yeah, so the thing I was... We talked about Uh, this briefly off screen. The thing I was talking about in Analyze the Image... Did I explain the mechanics of this in the podcast? A a little bit, but you, you... I found it very annoying. Okay, so... Because I was just like... Of course you analyse the fuck... The fucking... Yeah, you you say of course, but Billy hasn't been. Or hadn't been. Your... The way that you phrase it is, is you said, if you're having trouble drawing inspiration, if you're having trouble finding something that you can just pick out about it, then just look deeper into it. Yeah, so... That's kind of very... Very... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm gonna force this. Fuck you, stupid. So the way that so there's <laughs> actually I I imagine that the reason I was thinking that I didn't expand on this at the time is because I was I was making the assumption that everyone had had the same sort of English classes that I had, which is not going to be true for everyone. Um, in the when you analyze an image, what I'm saying there is. You want to try and bring to the forefront of your mind all the things that your brain has already subconsciously uh, found in the art. And the way that you bring those thoughts that you processed in like half a second and didn't really take much notice of, uh, the way you bring that back to the surface of your mind is by dividing up the image. And this is often done by dividing up the image into six squares. So we'll just assume that it's a landscape. You do a line through the middle of the painting uh, lengthways and then you do a, uh, two lines so you have one horizontal line and two vertical two lines. vertical lines thank you so you have six squares and then uh, you look at the things that seem to be the focus in each of those squares and it sort of helps you more deeply engage with the work of art that you're looking at um, and kind of it's an exercise in forcing yourself to think more about what you're looking at that was sort of what I was talking is that better yeah it's better I guess that the argument against that though is like if and I can imagine that Billy's going to probably back me on this is that and this isn't necessarily what I believe it's just an argument that can be made is that um if it's not providing you with that spark of inspiration originally when you actually just look at the image then why are you trying to use it for inspiration the thing that i said originally in the post in that the insert quest here writing challenge is exactly that a challenge if it's difficult for you to find inspiration then you're meant to try and persevere the well, that's goal is the insert quest here challenge yeah. but what about inspiration for things Generally, so if you're I, just I, talking I, I, from I think, a gen- I think that Billy believes in sort of like a more cosmic kind of kind of I'll find the inspiration where I find the inspiration, man. Like if you're taking that, I just got to be in the space, and then it's gonna it's gonna come at me. What it's gonna were you be originally cool. talking about? I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> if you're trying to find inspiration for a game, uh, I've sort of like you want something. You want the core inspiration, something that interests you and jumps out of you that you're passionate about. Whereas if I have to go, all right. I'm going to make a game, I'm getting inspiration from staring at these quadrants until something jumps out of me. That's probably 
not going to be a game that I am as passionate about, as invested in, blah, 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 as I would be if I just thought, that's awesome, I want to do something with that, let's go. Well, yeah, obviously. Uh, another another thing, another way of uh, using academic approach, approaches to obtain inspiration is breaking down, and, and this is basically what I said for the images, is you break down what you're looking at into subsequent pieces. If you if you don't if you don't find the thing you're looking at engaging in any way, then by all means move on. But like if you look at the art and say and think that's a cool piece of art, then there's totally more there that can inspire yeah, that you. That makes total sense. The way you were explaining it in the podcast was more of like you keep looking until you find something. I mean, when it's specifically subscribed, uh, uh, set as a challenge, then yes, that is your task. That is what you should be aiming to do. If you need to write something interesting on a specific topic, you keep doing whatever you can, either by finding out more about the topic or whatever, to draw inspiration. Yeah, okay. Research and all that business. Episode 10. Episode 10. We've got... Oh, we've got three more to go. Morality. We're, we're going a little bit over time. But this is know. a long podcast. I don't think we, we should worry about it. We already knew yeah. this was going to be. Ah, okay. oh, morality. World of, uh, yeah, yeah. Good episode. Good episode. Oh, good, good episode on the whole. A, whole. a little bit more of World of Darkness bashing. <laughs> yep. Mainly questions for Billy to not take the point of defense for World of Darkness, but there's some things in the podcast that we mentioned that don't really make sense and the first thing is that uh we were talking about how the moral the 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 scale the one to ten scale those morality labeled morality for the base um human sheet for world of darkness we were talking about how actually no sorry that's the next question this question here (laughs) is like when you're rolling it says world of darkness characters reacting to their own decisions so we're using this World of Darkness oh, yeah. morality system to be a reflection of how that of how that character reacts to in the example that we provided in the podcast a decision that they made. Yeah, why are they I'm... reacting to their own decision, man? Oh, <laughs> boy. I mean, I can think of a I can think of the reason like um a lot of the times when a, in, a, in a story, when a player... Oh, what a player. A lot of the times in a story when a character does something horrific, often they are not... They don't really, uh, in the moment, think about what they're doing. And then, like, you'll have a scene afterwards where they, like, realise what they've done or they take a moment and they're like, oh, shit, that was a really bad thing that I have did and that sort of reflection. Yeah, so it's kind of like there's a mechanical reaction. So when you, like, when you're at uh, morality 10 and you have that bad thought and it actually pushes you back down to morality 9. That's like I don't even get me started on reality 10. That, 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 is like, that is like... Reality 10? Morality 10. Yeah. That, that is like a... That is a mechanical reaction to a player's own conscious thought. I don't... Uh, yeah. I really see the point of that. And, and also, you said that the that morality system is a way of the system... Uh, the, to keep track of like the moral compass of that individual, and then we kind of like came to the decision that uh, this should totally be included in our reassessment. Yeah, it's just it, it, like the world of darkness. Why does it? You said that the world of dark that that is a way that the system can tell you what your character's morality is, and I and I was just wondering why does well the world of darkness system need to tell you what your character's morality is like you should fucking know well it's for players that 
I would think that it's part of like, what if you have a bad memory? What if you have like months between runs? Yeah, okay. You sit down at the table, you can immediately get a sense of what you're meant to be doing. Uh, I don't expect you to answer this right now, Raymond, but in the thing, in, in you provided a, an example and I can't quite make it out. It's, it's just like when we're talking about the world of darkness, the world of darkness morality scale, you said something about either like psycho pasts or psycho Pasts. Psycho Pass is an anime. Uh, oh, Psycho Pass. Yeah, so right, Psycho okay. Pass is a scan of your mental state. I assume I explained hey. the rest of it. It was just the word that no, you missed. No, you didn't explain that either. Oh, that's totally what it is. I'm not going to explain the game, the the game, the anime Psycho Pass. You should just watch Psycho Pass. It is worthwhile watching if you are interested in. Crime, psychology, in any one of these topics, not all of them. If you're interested in crime, psychology, uh, societal structures, justice, uh, cyberpunk themes, uh, investigation, uh, cop stories, all that business. Mm. Hunting stories, serial killers. We also talked, there's actually quite a lot of threads that came out of the morality episode. Um, we also talked a lot about an interesting co- uh, resolution of conflict over a boring resolution of conflict. Yeah. Does everyone remember yep. this conversation? And it occurred to me when I was listening to that, is that a player's... Or, or is that a character's and a player's moral choice to select the interesting resolution over the boring resolution? I don't know. So can you elaborate what exactly you mean there? So the player... Okay, so we were talking about, like... How a moral compass can inform you to make a decision. And then at one point, Raymond made a blanket statement. He was just like, if you have a choice between an interesting resolution of conflict and a boring resolution of conflict, always choose the interesting one, even though it might be like the harder choice. We were talking about how morality is the first thing to be discarded in the druid asking the bard to carry his gear. Yeah, I mean, just thinking about what you just said, it might... You might take the stance of, well, what if the interesting... What if the interesting one is, like, not... um, Not in line with what my character would do? To which I would... I would retort, normally... The more interesting choice is likely to be the one that stands with your morality. So the interesting choice is, you know, does the paladin let this act slide yeah, or do yeah, they yeah. take a stand? The interesting option is not the uh, uh, let it slide. It is very likely to be the take a stand, even mm-hmm. if it takes only a few seconds to resolve it's it's more interesting if you have that little bit of conflict. Should the storyteller, do you think, or other players take it upon themselves to generate those sort of interesting situations? So, for example, should the uh, fighter ask the druid if he would like him to carry his gear? I mean, it can. It definitely it is all quite whole. It is always the storyteller's job to generate um, those sorts of things, but it's also the storyteller's job to balance that 
with storytelling. Yeah, totally. To um, make a at the, same, at the same time, I don't think I, I wouldn't say that it's an obligation of a player, and I wouldn't say that it's necessary for players to do this. But I was I would say that it's a mark of a better player that they would take that opportunity if they if if they saw it, and they should be looking for it. So they should be they should be looking for the opportunity to create interesting situations of their own by asking a question of another player or asking a question of an NPC that they're interacting with um, to actually create, not conflict, but definitely more story. Mm. Mm. They shouldn't just sort of go, you are the storyteller, you tell me the story. We talked, we didn't really explain what role-playing without a system is, so RPing, multiple people telling the same story. My God. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah, I think I know what you mean. I don't know if it's worth getting into now. No, I don't think so. I thought we were going to have more time, and this was like one of the... I think that that is... There's, a tr- a, there's also a secondary clock to today that is making this harder to get through. Yeah. Um, uh... And there's another thing here that I that I uh, that we didn't we didn't talk about in the podcast. An, ex- an example of role playing without a system would be f- like um, role playing on Tumblr, where people just talk at each other in character and describe what they do. There's yeah. no mechanics to that. That's not a system. Yeah. Or when you when you have two improv, when you have two actors or two people engaging in improvising a scene. So like purely a, like verbatim, no mechanics. Yeah, that's just this. That's role playing yeah. as a character. But also, sometimes you can tell people. It's not just like interacting with characters. You can actually like tell people. Uh, there's a, a bunches of people that say my character does this when it's fighting your character, and then you actually come to an end of that fight eventually one day. But those characters actually fight each other by people explaining what their characters do there's and then no there's no mechanic there's no formalized or otherwise mechanic and then people that. actually kind of go yeah your character beat me when the story comes to an interesting resolution like oh. when they actually get like get the finishing move put on them and all that kind of stuff Sounds- so it requires a little bit of uh, uh, it fits in with letting go and yeah. removing preciousness from your character but in those situations you're obvi- you're usually dealing with like super powered situations where being defeated in a fight doesn't result in your character's death it just results in defeat yeah. interesting idea yeah. actually. Um, another thing that we wanted to talk about where we that we outlined that we were going to talk about at the beginning of the morality episode and never got to and commented on the end that we never got to was how to include moral choices in your games ah we should ah. do that as an episode topic. We should do that yeah. as an episode topic. Yeah. All right, that's the end of that. Computer RPGs versus tabletop RPGs. There can't be that many points that we need to talk about on that one. Uh, what? The fable that is changing weather conditions and sickness. <laughs> In fable, does weather conditions... No, the, the fable. The fable. Just because it says the fable doesn't mean that you meant to say... The game fable or fable or it's not the game fable. It's just like the the the, the, the lie. Fable? No, no, the False. lie. As in, like the yeah. fable. Isn't the tall tale that is changing weather conditions and sickness? I don't. I don't understand you. Like yeah. your point. I don't understand. I, what, are you, what are you trying to say there? <laughs> I don't know what you're saying there. All right, um, uh, Raymond. Uh, do you think? Do you, in the podcast you mentioned that you don't like read books in Skyrim and, yes and, I don't and, I ain't got time and, for that and, and stuff like that 
Do you ever think that that, that reading books in in um, electronic based RPGs increases your immersion? It's, I'm sure it increases your immersion. Like it's, when you, it's the game's way of telling you lore about the world and all that. Kind yeah, of I stuff totally get it. I just find that um, I just I just don't find I find it actually. It might be a great way to uh, to create immersion. It is not a great uh, f- way of uh, telling the story. Mm-hmm. It is basic. It is it is the video game equivalent of telling rather than showing me what's what I'm meant to know. Well, you don't even like really like um, uh, open ended or you came up with a really good word sprawling yeah. campaigns. Yeah, indeed. Um, in uh, tabletop RPGs either, and that's the kind of thing where you. And yet, I have no problem reading like sandboxing. I have no problem with setting scenarios. material and having to read setting material because like. Um, it's off for role playing games. It's often the setting material uh, is the most efficient way to give you the information that your character needs. But they have better methods in uh, computer games of accomplishing. Yeah, okay, that's, that's interesting. That's cool. Um, why are your worlds better than the Pathfinder universe, Kim? This is something that we said was a topic for another time. I think it's still a topic for another time, don't you? It's still a topic for another time. I assume that's like the fact that most of the players that we know of and GMs that run Pathfinder don't run... What is the Pathfinder setting? Golfana or something? I think it's called Goloran? Galoran, maybe. I've had this discussion. It's not really sure in the uh, podcast. Anyway, almost no, like only people that run it are like Pathfinder Society, for example. Yeah, fair, fair, fair enough. Um, isolatable is a word. Yes, indeed. I got that person <laughs> to give us that feedback. I told them not to. Damn it. Um, oh, that was incentivized. Sorry. In keeping, yeah, which was also we <laughs> the replayability of tabletop. Yes, I have an interesting point. Uh, on this. RPGs, um, something you're not interested in, and I was surprised that you were not interested interested in this. Raymond has an interesting point. Yeah, I, I believe Billy's like point. I remember when we were talking about it, Billy was like, "Oh, it's interesting playing through the same scenario with different characters, but like just playing through the same scenario again was not." He was not definitely not down for that. Yeah, I'm actually running an eclipse phase scenario that I, I, I'm hoping to run rather an eclipse phase scenario that I've already run. Uh, I'm going to be running it again. Um, there's going to be a small gaming convention in our local area, and so I've submitted a few briefs to that, and one of them is a game. I'm going to be rerunning Ships in the Night, which is one. Uh, it's an eclipse phase scenario. It's my self-written eclipse phase intro scenario. That removes a lot of the stuff that makes Eclipse Phase hard to get into as a first off game. So it removes a lot of the... And this is actually something that Wilfred has talked to me about before. It removes a lot of the knowledge that you need to play Eclipse Phase scenario. So I've, you know, found language that strips back the scenario to its base. So rather than saying the mesh, I'm just going to say the internet and things like that. And yeah, mm. okay, so and the scenario, the way it's structured, like you don't have to worry about resleeving, you don't have to worry about networks and reputations, and so you kind of trade off between 
to a degree sacrificing immersion in the world it doesn't sacri- it won't sacrifice it won't really sacrifice immersion it's just using different language well, it sacrifices immersion in the world yeah a- anyway like the defined it's still, defi- it's still definitely weird. eclipse phase but it's as long as you are aware of science fiction tropes you'll be able to play this game it's a good scenario I played it before that's it for that's it. Um, yeah um, uh, CC versus CC so uh, uh, computer computer now for some reason I put in CC tabletop like, and role playing games yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah well, YDC shit well I'm CDY or whatever it is YCD yeah YCD it's yeah. Uh, well, dub 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 YCD I think you've Speaking got the last horror. one now Kim I do horror Oh, how'd this go? This is our latest recording. Yeah, really I think we already good. talked about the sound problems. It, it was really good. Um, at the beginning, you talked about uh, how awesome Delta Green is and how there's a Delta, kick, Delta Green Kickstarter running. I've already talked about how yeah. that fucking... That accomplished its goal in, like, threefold. It got so much money. They're publishing some really cool stuff for that. This is something uh, you... That's good. Uh, this is also something that you talked about in the podcast. Um, you said that you, when we were talking about what we've read and what we've seen and all that kind of stuff, you said that you'd read Dracula. And I didn't get the opportunity to tell you that I have also read part of Dracula, like half of it. Yeah, we've both read part of Dracula. Yeah, yeah. And what do you think of it as a horror n- uh, novel? I think it's a fine horror novel. It's like one of the proto-horror novels. Um, I really like the way it changes its writing style throughout, which is actually something that most people say I fucking hate about it. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, the fact that it switches from letters to journals to, like... I think there's parts that are, like, first person. Um, And uh, all that. And 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 Bram Stoker does a... Stroker or Stroker? Stoker. Stoker. Does a great job of actually... Because the letters and the journals are all written from the first person uh, perspective does a great job of actually writing them in different narrative voices. So Harker's letters sound different to, I think it's Abraham Van Helsing's journal that you read at one point. Yeah, you do. So they and sound you, you different. He listen uses, to the doctor's phonograph transcripts yeah. and um, diary. You listen, and, you're really reading. And diary entries from Lucy and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and they're all written with different narrative voices, which is part of the reason it's hard to get through because... Just as you get used to the style of writing, it changes. But it's good. There's actually a... There's a really cool scenario that was recently put out for trailer for Knights Black Agents called the... Dracula Dossier, which is really good and worth checking out if, you're intru- if you like Dracula. Cool. Why is Cosmic Horror funny, Billy? Yeah, why did you keep laughing at that? <laughs> it's just... Cosmic horror. And what is it again, Raymond? It's I don't think you've really explained it. Cosmic horror is like the is the Cthulhu mythos, for example. It's the idea that the universe is the horror. Because the first time I heard Cosmic Horror explained, it was done really poorly. Yeah. Uh just like, you know, you're impending doom when the universe fractures because of the great Omogoloff roared. And I've never been able to take it seriously since. And yeah, it's like one of the best horror genres, which is kind of funny that you can't take it seriously. Yeah, so Cosmic Horror yeah. deals I with... I mean, I could, but I always think back to just that ridiculous... Yeah, so like most horror deals with monsters on a human scale, whereas Cosmic Horror deals with the universe or an aspect of the universe as the monster. So like, the monster is not the vampire in front of you, the monster is the universe that allows the vampire to exist. It's the 
the universe where entropy only applies to human beings, which seems to be the reason that it applies to human beings is so that they can suffer more. Like, why is that the case? Why are human beings custom made for suffering? Mm. I mean, I also find that concept ridiculous, but each to their own. I mean, I don't believe that, but I also don't believe that gods exist and I still play Pathfinder. Indeed. Yeah, that's true. Um, in the podcast uh, on horror, Raymond, a lot of these things are for Raymond. You're really good at summing things up, Billy. Good job, you. You talk about a lot of horror movies that you don't like. Yeah. What horror movies do you like? <laughs> 13th Floor. I don't mind that Dracula movie with... Um, the new one. No, fuck that. That's a yeah, super- that's what I thought. That is a superhero movie. With um, Gary, Gary Oldman. Yeah, I don't mind Gary Oldman. Keanu Keanu I, don't know, and I don't know how horrific that movie is, but that or if it even is even meant to be a horror I don't know. That, 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 that first scene with the blood pouring out of the fucking altar is pretty terrible. Horrific. <laughs> horrific. <laughs> two very different things there. <laughs> um, his armour is pretty like, where the fuck did that come from? It came from, uh, f- it came from fucking fourth edition Warhammer Fantasy rule books is where it came from. <laughs> it looks like... <laughs> It looks like I've um, got blood dragon models that look exactly the same. It looks like uh, <laughs> it looks like somebody took clay straight out of uh, like p- modeling clay straight out like of a packet, plasticine or play doh. Yeah, because it's like got that. those uniform yeah. ridges, like it's just been exuded from a machine. It's pretty funny. I don't know. Um, yeah. The thing, the thing is really good. I just watched that recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said um, I watched it the day before we recorded. There's a couple of things here that I'm not going to talk about. Like I'm not going to do an expansion on American Horror Story Asylum, which is something that I was going to do. Yeah. Um, uh, efficacy of hidden timers is something that we talked about a lot. Um, yeah. When have you used a fucking hidden timer on me, Raymond? Raymond, when have you used a hidden timer on me? It's in the question. It's in the notes. When have you used a hidden timer? Ah, yes, the horror podcast. A, of question, Kim is... for, a question for another time, maybe. Of Kim going, here is all the of... things Raymond could do in this setting. Uh, yeah. And Raymond going, shut up. <laughs> I can't think of one right now when I've used a hidden timer on you. Um, he claims. I've used hidden timers in Realms of... I used hidden timers in my Board of Darkness slash fantasy game, Realms of Light. But, yeah. Is it called Realms of Light because it's set in World of Darkness, but not really? No, it's called Realms of Light. It's called Realms of Light because the conceit of the universe is that one... That the universe is two halves, a realm of light and a realm of darkness. And the realm of light, the light doesn't come from a sun. It just... The sky is luminescent. And in the realm of darkness, the darkness behaves in a similar way to light so the beings from the dark see darkness as if it was a light particle and light is uh, imperceptible to them light as we know it they can't detect photons it is as indetectable as darkness is to us it's just negative space there you go uh that's it for Everything that's in it, um, except for I really like uh, the real gem for the, for the day or the take-home message. I think that that's something that... Yeah. Um, What's the take-home yeah. message of this? Keep listening to Crusading Couch. Yeah. I was going to say, the take-home, <laughs> take-home message of this is that when we do 
Uh, podcast free. When we do podcasts where we each have to bring, like, a certain amount of information to the table, they go really long. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, we That's already true. knew this. We knew this one was either going to go short or long. I kind of wish it had gone short. I kind of thought it was going to go short, but yeah. it's gone long. I actually thought it was going to be... I think Billy had the best... I think the first part when Billy was talking was the best. Um, yeah. Like, Kim and I brought a lot had of good... Less in- information. Yeah, than Kim and I brought a lot of information, but, like, we've done... Yeah, we, you like, kind of, like, focused on one thing yeah, per... Yeah. per which I thought was really good. Which so take home message, one. when we prepare really well, things go long. Keep listening to Crusading Couch. I'm Raymond. I'm Kim. I'm Will. And you've been listening to... The Crusading Couch!